everybody, and welcome to episode 392 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. Just Adam. I'm all by myself today. Jill is uh, out taking some time off away from the office, which I will be doing shortly, so uh, I'm not too jealous of her because I, I get to do some traveling in just uh, a very short time here. So uh, I want to tell you how excited I am about the interview that I did today. It's with author Kaysen Callender. Uh, they are an award-winning author of middle grade, young adult, and adult books, which is incredible. Uh, they were born and raised in St. Thomas of the U.S. Virgin Islands, and they have a new book coming out called Queen of the Conquered, which comes out this week. Uh, and this conversation happened a long time ago at Book Expo America, or maybe BookCon, getting my book events confused at this point, especially when they're mashed so closely together. Uh, but we had a really great conversation about the fantasy books that they used to read growing up uh, and writing books for people who feel like they may be marginalized or not seen or even more importantly, not seeing uh, themselves in stories. So it's a really great conversation uh, and I think you'll be very happy uh, enjoying it and you have to read Queen of the Conquered. It is fantastic. Um, Sigourney Rose is the main character and i just fell in love with this this character so it's really cool because it's a caribbean inspired fantasy which you don't see too many of um there's colonial oppression there's like i said there's a fantasy aspect of it i I don't want to give away too much uh, because i just want you to to discover it for yourself but i think you'll really enjoy this conversation Um, if you want to get a hold of us you can always reach us at uh pro book nerd professional book nerds.com that's our website. There you'll find our Twitter and Instagram, which is at ProBookNerds. We do book giveaways and all sorts of stuff all the time. So definitely make sure you are following us on one or both of those channels. Um, what else would I want you to do? Oh, give us a rating or you know, uh, leave a review on iTunes or anywhere else. That always helps, which is nice to see. Um, there's Big Library Read is still currently going on. So if you want to be a part of that global discussion, you can go to biglibrary.com. And there you'll find our discussion board for I'm Not Dying With You Tonight, uh, which is an awesome young adult book by uh, two wonderful, wonderful authors that wrote a book together. And we've been talking a lot about it. Uh, Kim and Geely were actually on the podcast a while back. And if you're listening to this on Monday, I will be with the two of them in Atlanta doing a fun event for a school, which I'm very excited about. Going to be in Atlanta for like 20 hours. Going to try and see some fans. I got uh, some direct messages on Instagram that we have some people that listen in that are from Atlanta. So hopefully going to be able to hang out with them. That's all another story. So I think that's just about everything. I'm going to let you guys get to my conversation with Case and Calendar on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hey everybody, it's Adam. I am hanging out at BookCon and I'm very excited today to be joined by Kaysen Callender, author of Hurricane Child and uh, this is kind of an epic love story. Their latest novel is a Caribbean-inspired fantasy, Queen of the Conquered, and that comes out later this year. Kaysen, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, I gotta tell you this before we start recording, but we always like having our authors sort of introduce their latest book so that our listeners have sort of an idea of it. So can you kind of introduce Queen of the Conquered for them? Sure. Queen of the Conquered is about uh, Sigourney Rose, 
who lives in, as you said, a Caribbean-inspired world where islands have been um, kind of taken over by oppressors called the Fjern. Uh, Sigourney's entire family was massacred when she was young and her entire um, race of people, basically the islanders, have been enslaved and there's been a bit of a genocide. And Sigourney uh, kind of returns to the islands with a plot to take revenge against the oppressors and to take the crown back from the king because he is going to choose a new successor at the end of what is called the storm season. So she gets to the island to try to take the throne, but once she gets there, it becomes a bit of a mystery as there's someone on the island who is killing um, each of the royals off one by one, and she has to figure out who it is before they kill her also. So, like I said, set in in the Caribbean, that's where you grew up originally, correct? Yeah, I'm from uh, St. Thomas of the United States Virgin Islands. So so this is what I would say a Caribbean-inspired fantasy I say that for people who aren't as familiar with the Caribbean. <laughs> so I should say this is more very specifically Virgin Islands inspired because um, our history is that before we were uh, bought, I guess, and became a territory of the United States, we um, belonged to the Danish. Mm-hmm. So throughout the book, there are going to be a lot of kind of like Danish words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, so it's very kind of like inspired by that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like you said, people probably are very much not familiar with that. So I'm curious, how did growing up in the Virgin Islands, how do you feel that it influenced your writing? Oh, it inspired, I mean, it influenced my writing um, in almost every way possible. (laughs) Especially, I say that, I think I say that especially for Hurricane Child and Queen of the Conquered. And yes, those two are set in the Caribbean. So of course there would be more of a connection there. But I think um, the Caribbean kind of gives me more of a sense of, like imagery that is different from people who are from the state so I tend to kind of like write about things that are so physical like dirt and like smell like salt things like that like that remind me a lot of home my writing tends to focus in on a lot of like colors and I think it I think it makes my writing on um, I think it makes the image imagery feel a little bit more physical versus when I'm writing about like this is kind of an epic love story which is set in Seattle I can tell even as I'm writing that the imagery feels vastly different uh-huh. yeah interesting and something that I very to kind of notice from this is I feel like a lot of authors tend to use fantasy and then readers will use it as escapism mm-hmm. and so in their mind they think that they're escaping from the world that we're in and kind of going to another journey on a journey to another place but what I really like that you did here is you're shining a light on not only your home, but also the injustices of colonialism and stuff. And I guess, it's, what are your thoughts on using fantasy to actually talk about important things that are happening in our life as well? I've always seen fantasy as more of a metaphor for what is happening in the world today. So um, I can't really escape, I can't really look at any sort of writing as escapism from what is happening to me mm-hmm. because there's no escaping what is happening to me. There's no escaping like the oppression of racism and homophobia and kind of the administration that we're dealing with now. Um, And especially for writing about Caribbean, uh, about a Caribbean topic, I have to be able to talk about the oppression because that's still something that's happening for, um, literally for the United States Virgin Islands right now, we are still considered a territory of the United States and we still don't really have the same rights as people who live in the States. That's not something that I can't not talk about as I'm writing. Yeah. And but do you think authors are able to 
discuss things that are going on a little bit easier by putting them into a fantasy world because I feel like that happens a lot with stories where people will maybe not even realize that they're reading about you know, colonialism and things like that. I know it's a little bit more overt in your story, but do you think it it helps kind of discuss topics to set them in a world that maybe readers feel it's not a good thing, but maybe they feel safer reading about these things? Um, you know, I'm not sure if the readers feel safer. I mean, as you were asking that question, I kind of started to think more on the sorts of stories that will take the stories of the oppressed, but put it, like, whitewash it, basically, and make it, like, the main character is white but struggling with slavery, or, you know, something that um, people of color have historically faced, but we're not necessarily seeing our own representation Mm -hmm. in the literature. So I think that it's more, um, once we start to see ourselves, once people of color start to see ourselves in these stories, it's a little easier to make the connection of, oh, yes, we're talking about something that's happening right now and yeah. that's something that's happened historically versus when it's featuring like a white character, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, this is just fantasy. This isn't something that has actually happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you actually brought up a good point, something that I'm, I'm really, I'm always interested in because I get to talk to so many diverse authors. And we always have this conversation about people being represented and being seen in, in stories. And something that I'm always wrestling with is what are your thoughts on someone who maybe like is a white middle class male writing characters that may be gay or queer or trans or whatever they represent as I, what are your thoughts on that does it feel to you as a situation where people are taking opportunities away from people who should be writing them or does it still does it work and help representation in these books such a complicated answer because it has technically and literally helped, especially in the YA world. For example, Becky Albertalli, who wrote Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda, really, especially as I used to work in publishing, I could see how it opened the floodgates for more queer stories. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, there does need to be discussion on why it is that there are so many authors who are white or who are not of that identity who are able to publish books, whereas people of color are still struggling to tell their own stories yeah. or people of other identities are still struggling. So I think that um, there is kind of a system in place that no one can, it's not a physical system, so no one can see it. And that for that reason, it's easier to ignore and pretend it's not happening. Mm-hmm. But there has been data showing that people of, um, even if there are like, a, an, even there has been, even though, even if there has been an increase in books featuring people of marginalized identities, there hasn't been an increase in authors of marginalized identities. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason for that. And it's racism. <laughs> yeah, it's just 100%. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So there needs to be more of a balance. Um, so I think that just keep being aware of the need for that balance is uh, necessary. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Um, um, something I, I asked you about before we started recording, and it, I don't think it plays as big of a role in this story, but I'm, you know, people who are familiar with your work will know that you're transitioning and you're tra- currently just changing the case. And so as I mentioned before, congratulations. Thank you. So excited for you. Thanks. How do you feel that kind of going through this process has affected your writing? Um, I have a, a coworker who recently just went through a uh, transition, and they have said that it, it changed the way they think about a lot of things throughout the process. So they're not a writer. So I'm curious, as a writer, how do you feel your transition has affected your writing one way or the other? Um, you know, I'm not sure that it's affected my writing on... Um except for the fact that I'm now very excited to write about transi- um, transitioning and trans people mm. 
in the future for a queen of the Concord specifically. It's more affected how I want to make sure Sigourney is portrayed. I used to identify as a black woman, so I know how I felt when I was treated as a black woman, which mm. was not as well as quite a few people in this world are treated. Right. So I, was, I do feel confident in the fact that I was able to write about that. But I still want to, um, even though I don't have uh, privilege as a trans person, I still feel like there is something to be careful of in having tr potential privilege as a more trans masculine person, just because masculinity has always had more, you know, um, more privilege than uh, femme people. So I think that's just more, it's not necessarily affecting my writing yet, but I think it's more that it's something that I'm keeping in the back of my mind and making sure that I am being careful with um, Sigourney's portrayal and making sure that I am not using my privilege in any way. Yeah, that, honestly, that's so inspiring to hear that you, you I guess you feel as an author who has books that people are reading, like the fact that not only do you, it, it, people might say you have a responsibility to do this, but it's more so just like you having that awareness, I think will shape, will continue to shape characters that people can have a better understanding. Because what you're going through is something that, you know, I sometimes people all the time, I'm an ally and I'm so proud of all the friends that have gone through this process, but I don't know what you're actually going through, the emotions that, you know, you have when you're by yourself and things like that. So like putting it into characters that people are able to read and have, you know, younger readers that maybe struggling to go through this process too like that just that has to feel rewarding to know that you have that available that wasn't even a question i'm sorry that was <laughs> no, really bad that was more no so i appreciate that sharing you. you with praise <laughs> thank you yeah um so i said you you grew up in the virgin islands but when did you come over to the states i came up to the states uh for college i went to sarah lawrence college so when i was about 18 or so mm -hmm. were you studying to do like creative writing or things like that or what were you studying it was a mix of uh, fine art and Japanese. I was actually, and I still am, but I was really gung-ho. I, I thought I was going to be an animator. I thought I was going to be a mangaka, and I was going to move to Japan and like work in anime. So that yeah. was my big thing. Um, but as I was at Sarah Lawrence, I discovered that I had, I don't know, I wanted to focus a little bit more on my creative writing. Yeah. And for some reason, I felt that I had to choose either art or creative writing. So I focused on the creative writing. Well, you could always do, um, I mean, you could always do, like, the manga and do the writing. Right. Yeah. I think I will eventually, yeah. yeah. Actually, um, last year at uh, Book Expo, I interviewed um, Ngozi Ukazu. Oh, cool. She wrote Check, Please. Yeah. And that's exactly, so she kind of said the same thing, like, she does digital comics. Okay. And she said she um, she started it, and she she is, she does an animation, and she's like, well, I could just write the story myself. And, yeah. like, that's how she kind of did So you could absolutely do both. I'm going to try to do both eventually. <laughs> do, you, do you get to have any say having a little bit of a graphics background in like your covers and things like that? Um, I have been able to give opinions. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to have publishers who are just like, here's your cover. And they've been really amazing. Uh -huh. So I haven't really um, had as much of a hand in them. I've just been really lucky. Okay. I was yeah. curious. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's gorgeous. Is this, no one Thank can you. see it, but is this the final like imagery? Yeah, that's I think on the so. Arc? Yeah, yeah, I'm not gorgeous. sure if it would change, but yeah. It's gorgeous. Okay, yeah, like I said, yeah. not really a question that anyone else could be able to see. So I'm holding this on a podcast. But yeah. um, have you always been a fantasy reader as well? I've definitely been a reader from all genres. I love contemporary as well. So I have a contemporary YA, um, magical realism, with the middle grade, and I have been reading um, fantasy since I was younger. Also, yeah. yeah. 
want to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor. With smartphones, you can capture life's most precious memories instantly and relive them anytime. But what about all those memories that you have trapped on VHS tapes, film reels, or printed pictures? We'd all love to have digital versions of those too, and with Scan Digital, you're able to do that, and it's simple and easy. Scan Digital converts your photos, VHS tapes, old films, slides, and even negatives into dependable digital files. You know, most videotapes are like 30 years old at this point, and if they're not stored correctly, it's going to be really hard to digitize them. Real to real film is more than 60 years old, and a lot of analog photography is at least 20 years old. Uh, if any of those weren't developed correctly or not stored correctly, they're most definitely not going to stand the test of time. But with Scan Digital, you don't have to figure out how to do it yourself, spend hours at a scanner, or just let your old memories fade away. Scan Digital will convert everything you have, and in only three weeks, you'll receive your originals back along with the newly digitized copies. And if you're not 100% satisfied, they'll repossess everything for free. Join half a million satisfied customers and go to scandigital.com slash booknerds for 50% off. This is their best offer ever, but you're going to want to hurry because it ends soon. So just go to scandigital.com slash book nerds and get your memories back in digital form to share just in time for the holidays one last time get 50 percent off at scandigital.com slash book nerds uh what were some of the books that you were reading when you were growing up so i guess the question is when i was growing up right so i can focus on children's books oh 100 percent Animorphs was my jam. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, oh, Animorphs is incredible. Yeah. I remember, I'm trying to think, the one that, like, sticks out the most is, like, a, a tiger, I think there was one. I, oh. Um, was it Rachel? Or It might have been. I yeah, think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really obsessed with Tobias, I think, who was stuck as a hawk. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was my thing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you did a, a piece before I started recording, I was mentioning, I've friends with Yin Chang from 88 Cups of Tea, and you wrote this really, really awesome article, uh, essay, about kind of perception versus reality, and I I just kind of want to touch on that, can you kind of share, people who haven't had a chance to read that, just like, it showed perspective, because I think a lot of times people have this thought that I'm going to start writing, and it's going to be this incredible process and this journey, like, for you, what is kind of the what you foresaw happening versus sort of what has now that you are a published author yeah when I first started writing um, and I think social media has played a big part in this as people kind of show um, their amazing achievements you kind of start to feel like oh well this is an achievement that I'm owed also if I do this amount of work then obviously I'm also going to get such such and such and such like all the other things that people have been getting so for me I had major plans of like you know I'm going to be able to pay off all my student loans I'm going to buy my first house my first apartment in New York which (laughs) good luck to anyone who's able to do that Uh um and yeah I I really thought that you know once I get myself out there because I am such an introvert I really have a very small social circle so it's difficult to um to meet people so I thought well once I get myself out there as a published author then I'll be able to like meet my community of like friends and maybe even like soulmate like I had so many dreams um and then once the first book came out and absolutely none of that happened it's like it all starts to kind of come crashing down mm-hmm. and I totally had a breakdown over it and really had to kind of look at myself um, and look at what it is that I want out of writing is it just that I want to be this you know famous huge circle of friends um 
like rich author is that why I'm doing all of this uh, I had to really question that and it would be a nice perk I'm not gonna lie I think that's still something that everyone would still want but I really had to look at my motivation for writing and my motivation for writing is multiple things to make sure that people see themselves especially with my children's books like I really need to make sure that children feel uh, visible and represented mm -hmm. and now it's also becoming a little bit more of a focus on making sure that my craft is as strong as it can be and really studying how to put together an amazing book that will really entertain readers and make them feel connected to the story yeah it's I think you're so right especially in places like this like at BookCon like it can be like I I'm working on writing as well and like it can be really frustrating yeah. to see like it's it's hard not to have jealousy yeah. when you see people like these ridiculously long lines or just like people that are like running all around trying to see specific people and yeah. um, I, I think it takes a certain sense of awareness to be like you know what this is my journey they're on their own journey and um, I think you kind of finished that piece by being about the fact like you're going to keep writing because you love writing and yeah. that's an important part of your life correct? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so what is your sort of writing process like? Are you planning out like a full series in advance? Do you just kind of go from more of one and write? Just talking about your craft. I'm really interested to know like what, and obviously Queen of the Conquered being from in a fantasy land set from a space that you're familiar with. You probably don't have to do too much research on like Virgin Islands since you're from there, but yeah. what is your process like when you're writing? Um, well, my process changes from book to book. Sometimes it's what people will say are pantsers, right? Like flying yeah. by the piece of your, uh, seat of your pants. And other times I sit down and outline and plot um, meticulously for Queen of the Conquered. That was, this is the first time I'm writing um, a duology. So it's planned for one book and a second book. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a bit of a, I need to sit down and make sure that it's cohesive and that the plot, because you know, every book has their own specific arc or plot art right but now it's two books so I need to make sure it's a plot art for two books and make sure that um, they feel connected I, I really don't want to spoil anything but yeah, absolutely the I guess the major question of Queen of the Conquered is can Sigourney be redeemed mm -hmm. so I had to figure out a way to make sure that that question continued into book two um, and we'll see if it uh -huh. works out I haven't even begun to, to draft it so I, I need to make sure that it's something that I think carefully about. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a preference in age that you write for? Um, oh, you're trying to get me in trouble. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Okay, how about this? Which do you find... <laughs> sorry, that was so leading. Um, which, what age group do you find maybe more challenging to write for, I guess? Because people always assume children's books are easy to write. Right. Which is not true. It's not. I'm definitely the children's books are more challenging to write because I feel like for adult um I had a certain freedom to kind of go on about like certain details yeah. in a way that I know that for YA I have to make it a bit tighter like uh -huh. I have to make sure the plot continues um in a satisfying pace for Queen of the Conquered I felt like I could sink into the details and sink into the characters a little bit more and I do think that the plot still goes at a pretty um clippy pace mm -hmm. but it's still I feel like I had a little bit more wiggle room yeah. <laughs> with figuring out what I wanted to You're write. sort of like fighting against uh, like the younger the reader, the shorter the attention span kind of I thing? Think, I, I think so. I, I hesitate to say that because every reader is different, right. but more for my writing style. For my writing style for YA, it yeah. is like tight plot, 
let's not go on too long about you uh-huh. know the setting and characters yeah. and everything. Somebody mentioned to me recently that uh, writing for middle grade and children's is like writing a suspense novel, where like you, where like a suspense novel, it feels like every single chapter has to end with like a cliffhanger. Yeah, they're like it needs to be that, but every page has right. to be that way. Yeah, I think is really really interesting. I think that's pretty true. <laughs> yeah, I started laughing when they said that, but I was like, I guess that's kind of accurate. Yeah, like, it makes sense. Um, so we always like to end our conversations with what we call the Nerd Nine, just nine lighthearted questions. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, what's the last book you finished reading? What is the last book I finished reading? I will also accept... Oh, Red, oh. sorry, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey. I'm going to massacre that last name, so I'm not going to say it, but okay. you know that last, you yeah, know that book. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite place to read? Um, in bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. Um, do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading? I know you mentioned Animorphs before. It was definitely Animorphs. Yeah. That was, um, my mom would read that to me every night, so that is what really got me into reading. And then Harry Potter is the first time I picked up a book on my own mm-hmm. instead of asking my mom to read it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what is one place you like to travel you have not yet been to? Um, well, I just booked my first ticket to Europe for August. So I'm gonna, I've always wanted to go over there, so I'm going to go for the first time. So what do you, what's your trip going to be? Like, oh, I'm so stressed about that. Well, the, oh. <laughs> the flight goes into London, and then it leaves 10 days later from London. So I think I'm going to try to spend like two days in major cities and then fly over to Amsterdam for two days and then fly oh, back to London. Yeah. so much fun. I'm going to try it. I'm going to see. Be, I think I'll have a blast. It's going to be great. It's better to not plan it, I feel like. Just kind of see where, your, where life takes you. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? A favorite holiday to celebrate? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. Honestly, since I left my full-time job, every day's been a holiday. So <laughs> there's nothing I've been really looking forward to. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. That works. Uh, are you a coffee or tea person? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Do you have a favorite food? Yakisoba, which is a Japanese food. Okay. Uh, um, what is it? I'm just curious. It's like fried noodles with like mm. a special yakisoba sauce, yeah. and then it has, um, like it can be either chicken or beef, and it has like uh, soy bean, oh, so like good. sprouts in it. Yeah, it's really delicious. Uh, I lost my train of thought. If you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Caramel Brown. Ooh, that's a really good one. Yeah, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I just found out that the Queer Eye guys are looking for people in Philly, which is where I am right now. So if you would like to nominate me. I would, I would <laughs> love to. That would be the most fun episode to watch ever. I always laugh. My, my, uh, my wife and I will watch, and we always joke where it's like, everyone goes to their one thing, and it's like... JVN's like, I'm going to fix your hair. And Nancy's like, I'm going to teach you how to make guacamole. And then like, they get to Karamo and he's like, I'm going to tear apart your life and we're going to figure out everything that has ever happened to you. Like, I'm going Ooh. to be your spiritual guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then poor Bobby gets just like, in the background, gets no camera time and he's just like rebuilding a house in a week. Yeah. Poor guy. Um, last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from Queen of the Conquer? That's a good question. Um... I hope that the readers who identify the most with Sigourney, let's uh, say marginalized readers and most likely black women, mm-hmm. just feel seen, feel like, oh, here is a book that has been discussing everything that I've been struggling with whenever I'm the only person in the room. Um, and for people who are not marginalized and who do not necessarily identify with Sigourney, I hope that they can just feel a little bit more like empathy, I guess, for um, people who might not be like them and who are the only person in the room and who are trying to um, 
fight back against the system that is just constantly against them. That's amazing. Kason, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on... Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.